Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed, universal, heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. Got Brett Berry and Ronnie Stoffel here. A big show because the postseason for Arizona basketball is upon us. Guys, we made it. We made it. And uh, thank you guys for having me. Long time no talk. Uh, I don't think we have not, well, officially recorded anything, I think, for um, all of basketball season. So who saw this one coming? Not Brett, I don't think. Not me. I mean, I do think we picked the over in our uh, preview show of 24 and a half wins, so we kind of saw it coming. I, I mean, yes, bit. yeah, we all saw Arizona winning 28 games and being a number one seed, winning the conference, having you know all the postseason awards that they got. And guys, we can get right to it. Like Arizona, we're recording on Wednesday, March 9th. On Thursday, they're going to have their first Pac-12 tournament game against Stanford. I don't want to talk too much about the Pac-12 tournament because obviously they're going to play that game, and if they win, they'll play someone else that we can't predict. And if they win that game, they'll play someone else. Like, big picture, Arizona's the favorite to win. You'd think Arizona should win the tournament. They're the best team in the conference by a pretty good margin. But also, we all know this isn't the tournament that any of us are really concerned with other than get out of it healthy, right? Get out of this tournament, get into March Madness with your full complement of players to give you a legitimate shot at that tournament. That said, yeah, if they can win this tournament, by all means, go ahead and do it. Yeah, I think think you want to see Arizona at least win one game. I mean, you'd so like that, to, but you don't need to, right? I think that I think that seals the one seed, and the farther you go, it really just puts you in the overall ranking. And would it be nice to win the Pac-12 tournament? Absolutely. Or is Arizona the clear favorite? Absolutely. I think most of the the odds makers basically put Arizona as like a 70, 70 plus percent chance to win, and then UCLA, and then a big drop off to USC, and then it's nobody cares. Which, <laughs> um, you know. Maybe usually I'm an advocate of taking the field and I still think there's some decent, te- you know, ne- never count out data, Dana Altman late in the season in a, pe- in a Pac-12 tournament. Like if I was a value better, I'd bet on Oregon just for that. But you know, I don't, does Arizona have to win the tournament? No. Should they just go ahead and do it? Cause it'll be fun for us. I would appreciate it personally. <laughs> I, um, you know, Brett, one, one team you left off there, who's really hot coming out of the regular season is ASU. So you got to watch out for them too. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what's funny about that? I mean, like, there's like the hottest team in the Pac-12 is ASU. They've won like eight of their last nine games. I'm like, Arizona's won like 15 of its last 16. How are we determining this? Like, did ASU go from bad to mediocre? Sure, but they lost at, to Stanford a, in a hilarious finish. Like the eight-nine game, Arizona was going to play the winner of that game. Now that's Stanford because ASU lost. Like, what a Choked. <laughs> Choked. I mean, yeah. two mediocre teams someone had to win, and ASU found a way to not be that team in spectacularly hilarious fashion. Yeah, I mean, Adam, the, the, the hottest the hottest take of ASU being the hottest team, I think, is it's like the inverse Arizona football. But like Michael Lev got tired of writing the same losing streak story over and over week after week. I don't think the media tends to want to talk about, well, Arizona looks really good still, guys. <laughs> so they got to find something to fill some you know, to sell some papers. But yeah, yeah. their season yeah, I mean, ended early. Arizona yeah, yeah. doesn't end no matter what happens in the Pac-12 tournament. I think that's what we can all like. Ronnie, I, we, I think we all agree. Like it's not, if you're going to play win, right? Like it's, I'm not saying like tank the tournament. I'm not saying try just to get out of it with few games, because obviously as long as they get through it healthy and there's no reason to think there's going to be injuries at sports. Anytime you play, anytime you practice, there could be something like that's the overall concern. But yeah, Arizona, there's no harm in winning this tournament. Like they won their tournament in Vegas, the Roman Invitational. They won the Pac-12 regular season. Go win the Pac-12 tournament. Why not? Just adds to the trophy case. Adds to just the magic that is the season. That Brett and I, yes, we picked the over. We didn't pick this. And like, just keep winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I'm. Uh, you know. Obviously, I, I would love. Um, I would absolutely love to then take care of business in Las Vegas, took care of business in the regular season, walk right over into Vegas, take care of it there. You know, it's been a long time since we've had a really good team in Vegas. Um, so I'm really excited, not necessarily for tomorrow. As Adam mentioned, we are recording this on Wednesday night. So on the eve of the first game, the first game will be 1 p.m. Arizona time on Thursday. Not expecting a rocking house then, but I'm sure there will be a decent showing just because everybody's so excited and who doesn't love Las Vegas. But, you know, as far as McHale North is concerned, I'm really excited to see Friday night. Yes, I'm penciling us in to the semifinals. And quite honestly, too, I do expect us to to waltz right in uh, to the finals playing UCLA. Brett, you touched on something here, though. And this this one's interesting to me because <clears throat> I personally don't think that we're going to win I, I actually do think that UCLA is going to beat us in the finals mm. and um I, and and that is look if, if you look at the two matchups that already took place right when we lost uh when we lost at UCLA uh, Tubelis bum ankle right and you know what I, I know we looked a little they were tired. Maybe out of our element. We were tired. We were out of our element a little bit. Fine. There was just a lot against us. Packed house. A lot against us. And, you know, even though there's some of the pundits that say, you know, we look scared out of our wits and, you know, we just didn't belong and yada, yada, whatever it was. You know, if memory serves, that was still like an eight point game with like six minutes to go. I mean, that was not really a blowout like the like the final score shows. So then fast forward and, you know, we were able to redeem ourselves in Tucson took care of business pretty convincingly there. But to the flip side, of course, is I believe it was uh, Johnny Juzang was coming off either COVID or a bum ankle, something slowed him down, right? So now you fast forward and you assume that both teams are going to be fully healthy. I can't help but feel like this is, this feels like 2014. 
Think back to 2014, 2013, 2014 season. Aaron Gordon comes out of nowhere. This team just explodes. Number one at some point in time. And then, of course, the Brandon Ashley thing. So we will, knocking on wood, what you hear there is me knocking on wood, is you're excluding any sort of injury. Um, but <clears throat> if you remember, right, we took care of business in the regular season, won the regular season title, and then out of nowhere, right, UCLA stunned us. Sunned us absolutely, and then the other thing that makes me a little uncomfortable is there's talk about Wisconsin, even though I think that their choke <laughs> job against Nebraska, them creeping up to the two line, that, that's all too familiar. But yeah, anyway, that, that that's enough for me. That's what I'm thinking. But my prediction, you guys take over from there. Well, Ronnie, I appreciate the the knock on wood that we heard to emphasize your point, and also being maybe the first use of a sound effect in a Wildcat Radio 2.0 podcast. Breaking ground here tonight, guys. Breaking ground. Uh, to yeah. your but to your point, Arani and even Brett, like you can answer this too. Is that do we think? Like I don't think Arizona needs to win this tournament. They could lose to UCLA in the championship round, like championship game, and be like, okay, fine. Like they're not going to play UCLA in the tournament, and they also prove they can beat UCLA. Like, other every other program in the Pac-12 needs to win this more than Arizona. Arizona, I think, is locked into that one seed. I think they could lose to Stanford on Thursday, and they're going to be that one seed. Whether they're going to be the second overall number team or the third or the fourth, it doesn't really matter to me. They're going to be a one seed. So if you're UCLA, yeah, if you could win this thing and knock off Arizona in the process, that's huge for your seeding, right? If you're USC and you do the same thing, that's huge for your seeding. Arizona doesn't need it. And some other team, Lute Olsen, he hated the Pac-10 tournament back then, and his teams just didn't care. He didn't care about it. Sean Miller's teams generally cared. Like, they never went into the Pac-12 tournament and just tanked because they didn't want to be there. It didn't matter. Tommy Lloyd does credit. I think he's done a really good job of keeping this team focused on the game at hand, right? After they clinched the turn of the Pac-12 after against USC on the road, they came back in a sluggish first half against Stanford, but then they rolled. And then, of course, the Cal game, they were dominant. He's kept their focus. They want to win. And I think if they want to win, they will win. But they don't need to. I mean, I, I'll, I'll take a first crack at this. I'm not convinced, Adam that if Arizona goes out and has a stinker against Stanford, that the NCAA is going to guarantee us a one seed. And knowing the NCAA and their relationship with Arizona, I could see them be like, we'll do you a favor and make you the two seed in the West against Gonzaga. Hey, Brett, real quick, Um, real quick on that. Define stinker. Stinker as in losing or just a sluggish win? I, I think as in losing. I think a sluggish win, and I think think a one seed is is locked up. I think winning the tournament outright probably puts you at the number two overall seed, especially if you go through UCLA. And anywhere in between is negligible impact on anything for Arizona's standing heading into the March Madness tournament. Can we actually touch on that real quick? Just just a quick pause. Let's do it. How in the world would we not have the number one overall seed if we knock off UCLA? Gonzaga is good. I'm sorry. They hit all the metrics, too. They, okay. If if anybody, if we have, like, true fans out there, please go to the archive and find all the clips of me banging on Gonzaga over the years. (laughs) You don't like Gonzaga. I I cannot stand Gonzaga. (laughs) Please play a real schedule. And I'm sorry, this Gonzaga team is not as good as last year's Gonzaga team. Okay, and and I'll be 100% honest, too. Chet Holgram? I'll say it right now because, you know, for one, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get back on the show again before the whole, this whole thing's over. I want Chet Holgram. There is not somebody that is more disrespected in college basketball than Christian Coloco. He went toe-to-toe with Kofi Coburn 
and absolutely destroyed Hunter Dickinson, is not even considered one of the top centers. He, I understand that Chet Holmgren spreads the floor more than those two guys do, but he also has that lateral movement, and he is going, I, mm, please give me that. And I, Timmy's the other one. Timmy's the other one. I, I, Tubelis and, and just Umar Obalo, those, I, I just think our bigs are just going to, I want it. I want it. Back to the point. If we beat UCLA, that is way more impressive than them eking out against St. Mary's. I'm sorry. It is. And I just don't understand how at that point it's basically, in my mind, it's not even resumes because I think our resume is far more impressive. But I guess how could you say that like Gonzaga is just a surefire one seed? And I know Joe Lenardi, that's all basically wrapped up, but I will stop rambling. I need you guys to weigh in on that and tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily think you're particularly wrong. I think you your your anti Gonzaga bias is showing through a little bit. I actually think this year's Gonzaga team with Chet Holmgren is better. But I think to your point, I don't think Chet Holmgren has ever faced Christian Coloco and a no. big that can move like him has the size and the lateral quickness where Christian Coloco is the guy that can go against Kofi of Illinois, who's just a mountain of a man and, and weighs three hundred pounds, but he can also go against Chet Holmgren who's very tall and lanky and very quick and very skilled. And I'm not sure there's a player in college basketball that can guard both of those guys effectively. And I'm not sure Chet Holmgren has ever been faced with somebody that his, his size, you know, pick on somebody your own size, basically, because he's basically a perimeter guy uh, in, a, in the, with the height of a, of a, of a big man. And that makes for a matchup nightmare until you run into the buzzsaw that is Christian Coloco. And so, I'm I'm on the record of saying that I actually think this year's Gonzaga team is better than last year's, but I also think Arizona is can ma- matches up with this year's Gonzaga team better than they even did would have for last year's Gonzaga team because of that exact matchup, and so I'm not afraid of Gonzaga. You know, in terms of the the overall ranking, I'm sure it comes from a starting point of here's where the preseason well, rankings were, guys, and if they don't fall off, they don't fall off. Like, the metrics that we like to cite for Arizona, too, right? Like, Gonzaga is number one in Ken Palm, number two in adjusted offense, number seven in adjusted defense. They have played... Their schedule isn't that easy. Like, their conference isn't great, but they have some really good non-conference wins, and at the end of the day, like, I tend to agree. I, I would love to see that game. I told, like Brad and I talked about last week. If Arizona plays Gonzaga, it's a Final Four game. So I'm excited to see that whenever it happens. Like, I'll take that match, but even if Arizona loses, hey they reach the final four or the national championship game to make it happen. But I don't think it matters if they're the number one overall seed. I really don't. Like, Arizona's going to be a one seed. It's like, unless, I guess, they end up with a two seed of Wisconsin or something like, to Ronnie's point earlier. Like, I just don't think... Like, Arizona's good. We know they're good. Are they the best team in college basketball? I don't know. Like, there have been years where, like, the Brandon Ashley year, if he doesn't get hurt, they were by far and away the best team in college basketball. Once he got hurt, they were kind of in the group of the best teams. Arizona's in that group right now of the best teams. Could they beat Gonzaga? Absolutely. Could they lose to Gonzaga? Absolutely. Is Arizona going to be a one seed? To Brett's point, with a win against Stanford, it's absolutely locked up. But I think it's locked up anyway. But I just don't think it matters if they're the number one overall. And I laugh because if Arizona would have beat Colorado a couple weeks ago, they would have been the number one team in the country because Gonzaga lost that night too, right? Does that mean Arizona would be the number one overall seed right now? Probably not. But I just... I just don't think it matters. Arizona's going into the, not the Pac-12 tournament. We can move on to the NCAA tournament, kind of our thoughts on this team. But Arizona's going into the NCAA tournament, will go into the NCAA tournament as that team where people are like, wow, they're really good, but are they really good? 
You know, because it is a first-year head coach. There's a lot of guys other than Umar Bala is the only player on that team who's playing the NCAA tournament and played can go in air quotes because he had just garbage minutes for Gonzaga last season. So Arizona is still a very unknown team. They might have 30 wins going into the NCAA tournament and people will still have reason to doubt them. And to that point, until Arizona goes in, out there in a tournament game and Kirk Reese is making good decisions, Ben Matherin's making his shots, Coloco's playing good defense, staying out of foul trouble, Tubelis is effective down low, then, yeah, those questions will remain. But if Arizona plays to its potential like we've seen for most of this season, there's not a single team in that tournament that I think is a shoe in to beat them. And whether that's their number one overall seed, the number two overall, number three, number it doesn't matter. We know how good Arizona is, and... Like, I'm ready for the NCAA tournament. I know they have to play a few games, hopefully before then. But I'm ready for that because we're going to learn so much about Tommy Lloyd, the first-year coach, in that environment. And this team that I think we've all fallen in love with, right? Like, this has been a really fun season with a group of players that are enjoyable to root for and to watch. And now they get to see a payoff. And as Arizona people, Ronnie, you said you haven't been on the show in a while, and that's true. But Arizona hasn't been in the NCAA tournament. Like, think of the last time they were in the NCAA tournament. What happened? I don't want to. Right. No, I don't want to think about that. It's been a long time. And granted, it was the COVID year also in between. And the year that they gave themselves the postseason ban, Arizona's probably in the tournament last year without the self-imposed ban. Mm. But like this is going to be a feeling for people. And you know what, guys? Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's talk about that feeling because as Arizona fans, as Arizona media people, like we've all been here before and it's great and stressful as hell. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. Adam Green, Brett Barry, Ronnie Stoffel. Big show because it's the Arizona basketball postseason. We're sticking with the men's team because, well, they have a little bit more momentum going into their postseason. Of course, we're going to follow the women's team too. Adia Barnes' squad fell short in the Pac-12 tournament in a very close game. And hopefully they can get Kate Reese back healthy for the NCAA tournament because we know when they're healthy, they can be very, very good. But guys, Arizona men's team, Pac-12 tournament's going to happen. And let's assume... We'll knock on wood maybe together that Arizona gets out of the Pac-12 tournament healthy. Their entire roster goes in the NCAA tournament. Arizona is Arizona. That's exciting, and it's great to be a one seed. But when you are the one seed, the expectation, in, like, technically chalk, is Final Four. And Arizona has not been to the Final Four in 20 years. So, like, there's pressure, there's excitement, there's being an Arizona men's basketball fan in March. Right. I mean, Brett, we'll start with you like this is not I mean, you miss it. But then also last year was so peaceful during the tournament. (laughs) Yeah, I, for one, am welcoming back the agony of watching Arizona potentially lose in the Elite Eight on my birthday (laughs) for like the whatever millionth time as that is because that became something of a tradition there for the last two years. Um, I mean, (laughs) I, I share your sentiment where it was awfully fun to watch when you don't have a vested interest and you're not worried not, not about fun, the match. Not fun. Peaceful. Calming. Peaceful. Like, no, I'd rather watch my team play and win, but yeah. the stress that comes with my team playing and possibly not winning, ooh, that's that's not fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the the competitive nature in me and just the person that is a sports fan, I want I want to, I want all the pressure. I want the the anxiety, the stress. I think that's what brings us back to college basketball. And I'm I for one welcome our new stressful overlords, <laughs> um, because it's it's it should be a fun you know fun tournament for an Arizona Wildcat fan. It, you know, there's such a balanced team. Bluntly, I'm as we're talking about how good they are. I still don't think 
every guy on that roster has played an above average game in the same game. Like there's been guys that have had stinkers in games where Arizona's won by 35 against a good team. And I don't even know, I think there might still be levels there. And I'm hopeful that we see that in, in the March Madness tournament. Um, and I think Arizona has the versatility in their roster and the makeup and the way they can attack you in, uh, offensively in so many ways and the way they generally play smart, good team defense and with that depth that my anxiety level is actually relatively low, which probably means I'm setting myself up to be very sad. Um, but I'm, I'm, I, you know, happiness is the delta between expectations and reality. So I'll go in not expecting anything and just enjoy the ride. I think that you touched on something really interesting there, and and I think it's 1,000% true, Brett, is that the idea of we really haven't had two guys pop in the same game. And I think that's what makes this roster really dangerous, right? Because we've seen a little stretch of Ben Matherin, who I think, I mean, it's probably fair to say, like, he's the face of the team, right? He's he's slowly working his way into, I mean, he's certainly a lottery pick. Pac-12 player of the year. Pac-12 player of the year. He is probably a deep run uh, away from legitimately being considered one of the top two players in the draft. And so um, I I don't think that there's any debate that that he is the face of the team from there. Right. You kind of take a step back and then there's that second tier of like, okay, well, it could be Tubelis one night, like Tubelis could go off, you know, Christian Coloco could give you a 20 and 10. It'd be like the quietest 20 and 10 you ever saw. Um, Kerr Carissa can pop. We've seen him a little bit too, but to the point of we haven't really seen that happen twice in one game. I think it's because we haven't necessarily needed it. Right. Like, and, and I think that also speaks to the depth of the team. <clears throat> one thing I think that really has not been talked about is, you know, obviously the offensive scheme that Tommy Lloyd runs just everything. I mean, it was just such, such a shot of life in, into the roster, into the program altogether. But one thing that I think nobody's really talked about, and if so, I mean, please, I apologize. I'm not plagiarizing. I just haven't heard it. It's the idea of he constructed the most complimentary bench that could possibly go with this five. And so coming into the year right now, obviously that's assuming that Kim Aiken would still be with it, right? Because if you think about any team that God, really You don't even runs, think about him anymore. And he was solid. He was awesome. And so mm-hmm. where I'm going with this was he was the ninth guy. When you think about depth and legitimate depth, it's like you got to have nine guys. And so that's why everybody, you know, everybody, Brandon Ashley is always in the back of the head and, you know, just those things that can derail things. But more so for us, it's because we're already at a like we're very shallow in depth. Right. So but just think about like Pella Larson, Justin Kyer. Uh, Umar Balo, who saw the, him coming like this, coming around, and Kim Aiken, that is the most complimentary. Each of those players is like a distinct role within the five, right? And so, like, just the depth that he created, and then on top of the offensive scheme, I, you know, coming into the year, it was like, man, I just, we don't have a true point guard. Like, what if Terrell Brown stayed? Like, a James Akinjo, there was so much smoke that, like, he just, didn't get along with the team and he was going to go no matter what. And it's like Kirk Carice, he's not really a point guard. I, what has, what has made this season for me to really come around to, and it probably happened after the USC game at, 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 at home after the second time, I guess, excuse me, the first time we played, because the first time was technically postponed and mm-hmm. ended up being the second time, but you know what I'm saying? So um, after we beat UCLA and in that home stand, then we beat USC. Um, 
it hit me that, you know what? The lack of point guard depth, like true point guard, doesn't matter because our ball movement is unbelievable. And, you know, like the the, 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 the whole traditional narrative of like, you got to have guard play, you know, like you got to have like a true stud point guard or, you know, backcourt to really make a run. I don't know. There's ex- there's exceptions to every rule. And I just feel like what Tommy Lloyd did here is really interesting with the scheme because all these guys can pass all. F- I mean, really, basically everybody one through eight is a pretty good passer. Um, so then over to Adam's question is. <laughs> what kind of pressure does that add to this? Because now that this is a reality and it's like, Oh man, like we are actually a pretty legitimate team. Like, wow. Okay. So how's this going to end? And then you start to think like, Oh boy, we've seen this before. Oh boy. How's it going to end? <laughs> I've seen how this has ended actually before. And Oh, I cannot commit myself emotionally to this. Uh, yeah. It, it's, it's quite a mess in my head right now. Obviously, I'm excited, but I am uh, I'm holding on for dear life here. So, Ronnie, you uh, you talked a lot about a lot of things like the maybe the lack of a true point guard on the roster, but there's you know a lot of passing ability in the roster. There's a lot of depth. There's a lot Drink. of guys that can go off. Um, you know, the, the answer to all of those questions in my mind is the one name I don't think you said in your whole answer, and that's Dale and Terry. I am the big, and by the way, I, I'm, I apologize for not mentioning him. I have been on Dale and Terry since early last season. And when we entered this season, I said that Ben Matherin is, and you know, obviously not on the show, but Ben Matherin is the best player we have. I, I think that like the guy with the next like highest upside is probably Tubelis in my mind, just because I think that he's like kind of a unicorn in a sense. But the but but like the most valuable player we have is Dale and Terry, and that is just really coming to fruition now. Yeah, hey Ronnie, don't try to out hip Dale and Terry hipster me. I was on Dale and Terry early too. <laughs> I was a I was a Dale and Terry fan long before it was cool. You know what I'm no, hearing but, uh, from you guys? So sorry, Brett, but like you know what I'm hearing from both of you in talking about this team and like Ronnie, you're right. This team doesn't need a traditional point guard. Brett and I remember we were talking about the team preseason. Like, well, maybe we're so used to seeing the Sean Miller offense where they need that strong point guard play. The Tommy Lloyd offense, in theory doesn't revolve around just one point guard pounding the rock most of the game, and we've seen that come to fruition. But what it sounds like to me is that I don't know if this is the best Arizona team we've seen over the last 15 years, but it might be the most complete or most able to win or make a deep tournament run, right? Because, like, and Brent, I've talked about this, there's no obvious flaw with this team. Arizona doesn't have to make threes to win, but when they do make threes, you're not beating them. Arizona doesn't have to score 85 points to win. If they score 85 points, they're going to win, but they've won in the 60s. They can win in the 70s. Arizona doesn't have to even win the rebounding battle. Like, they should win it more often than they have, but they've lost the rebounding battle and won by 15 against some decent teams. Like, there's no obvious flaw. And you would look at it and say, Kirk Carissa would be the obvious flaw because he's not a tried and true tested point guard. But who cares? He hasn't been a flaw on their way to 28 wins right now. I guess he didn't play in one of those games. So 27 victories have involved Kirk Carissa. Like, this team doesn't have that weakness where you say, like, even the Sean Miller team's like, well, they really can't shoot the ball. You know, they're not going to get in, a, if they, in the 50s. Like, it's going to be a close game. This year's Arizona team has made a habit of just blowing teams out. They haven't played a lot of close games. You know, like, I feel like they haven't won a lot. They haven't played a lot of close games. The ones they have played, they've won. And that's why it was so nice to watch them beat Oregon a couple weeks ago in a close game where they had to battle. But 
that's what I'm hearing from you guys is that this team, the reason, like, I'm going to be stressed. Like, I'm not stressed right now because I don't care about the Pac-12 tournament so much. The real stress starts next week and ideally probably the week after, after Arizona wins the first couple of games. But this team, it's loaded. It is a roster that is well-built, maybe somewhat accidentally, but it came together. It coalesced into something that is clearly one of the best teams in college basketball and a team that you look at it and say, there's no reason why, like, I know Tommy Lloyd said after the Cal game, like, why not now for making their deeper? I'm like, why not? Like, there's no reason. Like, I can't think of a reason why Arizona cannot make a Final Four, right? I mean, Brett, is that is that kind of pick up on what you got saying here too with this team? Yeah, I, I, I'm on the record that I think this team goes as far as Dale and Terry takes them and that doesn't mean he has to score and if he plays well i think a final four is almost a given but like even like well for this team like you guys are talking about how arizona hasn't necessarily had two guys just go ham in a single game like well for dale and terry isn't scoring 15 points it could be scoring five points having four assists and six rebounds and a couple steals right like ben Mm matherin doesn't have to go off he doesn't have to score 25 points for this team to win coloco can score five points but if he gets 12 rebounds and blocks four shots he's impacting the game like this team we say they haven't had that big game and i think you're right brett but i think probably most teams in the country can say they haven't had everyone play a great game at the same time because it's sports you know how it works like not everyone's going to go off on the same game it just especially basketball there's only one ball but this team has so many guys who can impact the game in different ways to where it does fit together beautifully Ronnie, to your point there, like, yeah, the bench was perfect to what Tommy Lloyd brought in, what he created here, but just everyone's roles are so clearly defined, and yet, if Dalen Terry does make a couple three-pointers, if Justin Kyer does make a couple threes off the bench, this team is that much tougher to beat, but even then, like, they don't need everyone to play great. Like, Arizona doesn't need to play a great game to beat good teams. They've proven that. Now, the tournament's a different animal, but that's just what this team is, so like, I'm going to be nervous because it's March Madness, I think, unless you're an underdog where it's like, hey, I'm just happy to be in a tournament. You're going to be nervous. You should be nervous. But not because I'm like, oh, I'm worried about playing that team. Like, I look at the brackets. I'm like, I don't know if I want Arizona to play. See, like, North Carolina as an eight seed. I'm like, I don't think I want them to play North Carolina, but why don't I want them to play North Carolina? North Carolina's an eight seed for a reason, right? Like, Arizona is a one seed for a reason, and that reason is they are a really well put together. They're balanced. They're a lethal team. They defend. They do everything, and they can do everything well. I, Adam, you, you touched on there the idea of we really haven't been in close games, <clears throat> and and for the I mean the reason I really believe that, and, and I think that even you know like Kempon the the advanced analytics and just even the eye test just tempo tells you that okay when you are talented and as talented as Arizona is, the more possessions you have, the greater the chance mm-hmm. of, of just you know growing the scoring margin, right. Or, 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 or the, uh, just, just the margin of defeat. Right. And so I think in this case, what you're talking about there is the exact reason I feel that we are going to walk into the elite eight. Right. And so I have made some pretty bold claims up to this point with, you know, I think yeah, that we're yeah. actually going to fall to UCLA. I would love to play Gonzaga and that's bias aside. I just, I would love, oh, that I'd love to see that game too. Reasons. But I think that that what you touched on there is very much why I just see us walking into the Elite Eight. Now, the caveat would be if there is an underseated Power Five team that catches us off guard. And that, you know, the first one that kind of jumps to mind is you got to go to the Big Ten for this, but it would be like an Ohio State, like an Ohio State that's kind of been a little on off something, but just somebody that might be able to match the star power. And if that star power actually like clicks in, in that game, they might be able to catch us off guard. I still trust in the tempo up to the point of when it is just like a one-for-one a, a one matchup in terms of, of talent and just scheme, I guess. 
Yeah, I think the the tempo, you know, you guys talked about the ball movement. And that's where a guy like Dale and Terry facilitates that. And it's a perfect fit for Tommy Lloyd's scheme. I think there was a video early in the preseason where Tommy Lloyd was, it was like his first coaching session. He's like, move the ball, make quick, smart decisions. And that shows up. And Dale and Terry being an unselfish guy that's not necessarily looking to score, but he can help create situations where there are high percentage shot opportunities. Hockey assists. Yeah, it's... It's that's a very good uh, analogy, and so to that extent, most teams don't concern me. The only ones that concern me, and I'm on the record of, of you know, I don't know if any of the if, there, if there's any team that will be seated in a position where we would face them in the in the Sweet 16, unless they're way under seated. The teams that most concern me are you know a team that's analog like an analog for Baylor and like what Baylor did to Gonzaga last year, where they're very big, very athletic, very physical. And you can sometimes knock a young team off their rhythm a little bit. And if they don't recover quickly enough, you know, like that kind of happened a little bit against uh, Illinois, but Arizona recovered and came back and won that game. Similar thing happened to Tennessee, who is, you know, in Ken Palm, I think is up to number three in adjusted defense. I think Arizona beats Tennessee in a neutral court game most of the time. But that kind of that kind of gameplay and team approach of like that physical try to knock you out of your rhythm thing is the only type of team that really concerns me unless Arizona just goes ice cold. And I just, I'm not sure that team exists in, in the round of, in the, in the round of 16, unless somebody gets way underseated. Even with like the ice cold scenario, I, I just, I, so I think back to like, okay, well, what is ice cold? I think back to the Miller years or the half court offense, didn't care about tempo, didn't care about offense, really anything. Like we always know that it was, you know, the emphasis was on defense. The ice cold to me, like even if you're facing a zone defense with this scheme, the passing and just the selflessness and everybody can score like really close, right? We're big, we're long. And I think that that is just the ultimate zone buster. So like, even if, even if we're like two of 15 from three in the first half, right? I still expect us to have close to 40 points because I just think that the way we attack the basket in transition or not is just really difficult for any team to, to, to put up with. Um, hey, guys, go, go ahead, Adam. I was going to say, like, Arizona is a matchup nightmare for most opponents. Like, to Brett's point, when he's talking about, you guys talking about Chet Holmgren earlier and then Kofi Cockburn, like, most teams do not face an opponent with basically three legitimate seven-footers, right, who are all a little bit different, but legitimate low post type players, you know, Balo and Coloca are just a ridiculous monster at center. Like great job, Tommy Lee with Umar Balo, especially can kind of, like, I don't want to say diamond in the rough, but his development has just been just a beautiful thing to see this season. Then you have two Bellas who, to your point, Ryan, you said he's like a unicorn, like his skill set. So no one really has that. And if you have that, you don't have the athleticism on the wings at Arizona. It's the Dalen Terry's, the Ben Matherins. You don't have Justin Kyer coming off the bench. Pella Larson, we haven't even mentioned him. He ended up being the Pac-12 sixth man of the year. He could start for most teams in the conference especially. And then Kirk Carissa, he is really, I think, settled in. And Brett's mentioned this too. Just It was kind of like the Oregon game. Maybe a little bit before that, like Tommy Lloyd ripped into him a little bit. And he's, since then he's been taking good shots. You know, in rhythm, not forcing on his passing. People underrate that. His ball placement on passing is just unreal. Like, Arizona has everything you need, and it has everything that a lot of opponents will not have. That doesn't mean some team can't have a guy go off. We've seen it happen. Like, Sam Decker is still burned into my mind. You know, that can happen. But I don't know if that buries this Arizona team. Because we see when Arizona doesn't make the threes, they dump it inside. And if you're going to just crowd the paint there, then they'll kick it out, and their guys will start making shots, or they'll drive to the bucket, they'll get to their free throw line. 
So, like, does this team have flaws? I mean, they don't always rebound great, and they don't always make their free throws. And sometimes they turn the ball over, but they've actually seemed to settle that down too towards the end of the season. Opponent adjusted. I mean, Stanford and Cal aren't exactly, you know, who's who of, you know, star-studded teams. But when I look at this Arizona team, and maybe the biggest question we have is how they'll fare in a tournament setting, in the NCAA tournament setting. And they won the Roman Invitational in Vegas, small tournament. I don't know if the Pac-12 tournament is enough, is similar enough to what the NCAA is because they've played all these teams before. Like, they're going to face someone in the NCAA tournament who they've never seen before. You know, like, they've played Tennessee, okay, different styles. And maybe, I mean, Arizona has faced different styles this season, which is good. But, guys, I, I look at this where I I can't... I don't have to fill out my bracket yet. I don't even think about that stuff until the brackets are released. I don't know if I would pick Arizona to win only because I don't need double disappointment. But when I say that, it's like, I don't think there's any reason why Arizona can't win the NCAA tournament. Like, we'll do a more of a tournament preview. I know next week, of course, then we'll kind of do more of a game preview because we'll have the brackets. So this is like big picture stuff. But if I was to ask you guys, and we'll start with Ronnie here, if Arizona doesn't win, or let's say if Arizona doesn't reach the final four, we don't know the matches, but why won't that happen? Like, what's going to be their undoing as you see this Arizona team? If we don't reach the like, final What will cost four, them a trip to the final four? Like, why won't they make it? Like, I think that we would have just run into an equally talented, more veteran system, more veteran roster, more so veteran youth. Co- I mean, you think it's Arizona's um, youth, basically. Yeah, but but I don't necessarily, I, I don't like the idea of calling it youth because, and, and actually Brett even somewhat alluded to this in terms of, of just like the, uh, like the immaturity of the team. And I know you didn't use that term, but, but like, yes, they're underclassmen, but like there aren't freshmen. Right. So, like, I mean, everybody has been in college basketball for at least a year and now everybody's been in for two years. And so um, I guess I'm just thinking of it more as like um, and, and I, I don't even have a team that comes to mind, but but I definitely oh. think that it would just be a more, you know, well, I'm not uh, even asking for a team roster. because like to me, Arizona, if Arizona plays a good game, Arizona's beating whoever they run up against, at least up until the final four. If it's like a Baylor or a Gonzaga who could also equal them for talent. I'm thinking like if Arizona, what is their flaw? Because with the Sean Miller teams, you knew it was their outside shooting, right? If they couldn't make shots, they're going to be in a close game and in a close game, anything can happen. Arizona, Brett has not played a lot of close games because they don't seem to have that fatal flaw. Like tell me I'm wrong or just praise me for being right. Like Brett, like what do you got yeah, for I, me? I, I, I I think I'll put it this way. I think if Arizona plays to its potential, I'm not sure that they're not their their best potential. I think is the highest ceiling of any team of any roster in college basketball. If they're going to not, you know, if they're going to get beaten and they're not going to make a Final Four, I think is what the you know what was that reason? Yeah. I think I go back to they're going to run into somebody that has. I think it kind of comes with Ronnie of like the 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 maturity and some of that's the physical maturity and kind of the old man game that comes with a few more years of experience where somebody's going to really try to make their life uncomfortable offensively, rebound effectively offense on the offensive glass because that keeps Arizona from getting out and running um, with you know slow you know keeping the ball on that end of the court and if they rebound and get multiple shot attempts they'll score their points. And it kind of just knocks Arizona out of its tempo, and they get a little frustrated. Uh, and that's, you know, and may, you know the other things in there is if they're, you know, Ronnie, knock on, use our sound effect and knock on wood. Another, you know, another thing would be an injury to a, a key guy, and Bar like injuries. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because yeah, I think that injuries really derail anybody. I, I, I think, I think Brett, you and I are saying the same thing, and, and I think just in other words. 
I don't think it would be self-inflicted. I think it's fair to say, like, we would just get beat. But no, right? I, like, I, I, would, I, I would think it's the opposite, because, like, I think this Arizona team is good enough to not just get beat. That's what I'm getting at here, because when they've lost in the tournament, there's been a legitimate, like, there's a reason that you could kind of like, you know what, that makes sense. I don't know, like, yeah, Arizona played bad against Colorado. Okay, fine. Like, Arizona's played maybe one stinker, and they were up at halftime in that game. So it wasn't a total, you know, mess. Even in UCLA on the road with all this stuff there, and even the Tennessee game, that was competitive on the road in a really tough environment with questionable officiating, you know, with watching that game. I don't know what Arizona does to just get beat. Like, I think someone has to beat them, and I'm not sure. Like, yes, it's happened. Arizona's not perfect on the season, but I'm not sure Arizona has that stinker of a game in them in that, even their bad games, they like I said, they had leads. They are competitive in those games. Like they haven't gotten really run out of a building because they're too good for that. So I'm thinking they go into this term, they play that team, that veteran team with the old man game that Brett was talking about. And yeah, maybe it's close, but how many teams have shown they can play with Arizona for 40 minutes? Right? Like that they've tempo, had those games yeah. where the tempo is slowed down, it's muddied, and you know maybe there's a little foul trouble or they're missing shots, they're turning the ball over, and they're in a game for 20 minutes, 25 minutes. But then by the end of the game, like they won by 12. And yes, there are better teams in the tournament than, I don't know, Stanford, than ASU, than ASU. Oregon State. Like, absolutely, there's better teams in the tournament. But Arizona, to me, is just head and shoulders as one of those teams that can do that. Like, you have to play a good 40 minutes to beat them. You know, like Colorado had to play the first 20 minutes well just to hang in the game. And then they were better for the second 20 minutes. That happened once this season for Arizona. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) and the circumstances are what they were so that's why I pose that question to you guys and it makes it sound like I think Arizona's going to win the national championship and I don't want to I'm not going that far just when I look at this team heading into March Madness and the Madness starts with the Pac-12 tournament there's no team that's going to have more talent than Arizona there's no team that's going to be a matchup problem for Arizona there's no team that's going to do something that Arizona can't either stop or counter with something of their own. And that's what makes them so fun to watch. That's what's made them such a joy to behold this season, what Tommy Lloyd's done with the system, melding this roster that Sean Miller left him, largely left him, but of course the guys Tommy Lloyd brought in. It's been just, it's been almost too perfect. And that's what's crazy about this is where we weren't expecting to have this conversation on this show. I think we could have predicted them being a tournament team when the season started. I think Brad and I both did, and I'm sure, Ronnie, if you were on, you would have said the same thing. But there's no way we would have been talking about them as a favorite, as a team that very easily could and maybe should make the Final Four. And that's a testament to what they've done. That's a testament to the leaps that Ben Matherin and to Bellis took this year, that Dalen Terry took this year, that Balo. Coloco Balo took this season, Balo Balo, midseason. Yeah. You know, it's a credit to Kirk Kreese's toughness. Like, you guys say this team goes as far as Dalen Terry takes him. Yeah, maybe, but I think Kirk Kreese, he's the heartbeat for this team. You know, he makes A3, it's a total game changer. You know, he's that guy. You know, he's not going to put up the big numbers, although he's averaging quite a amount of assists, a good amount of assists. But he is that guy for this team. Like, they just have so much going well. They have so much going for them where I don't see them just getting beat. Like, I don't. Doesn't mean they won't lose, but I just don't. I'm trying to think of what it'll take, and it's going to be a take a team just with some ungodly effort because I don't think Arizona's going to have that bad game in the tournament. I'm not sure they're capable of having a truly bad game. I don't, I, I definitely don't think that they'll have a stinker. And, and Adam, I, I think like what, you know, it, it, you said it's not that you think they're going to win. It's just that you know that they can win. So if they don't win, then why was it that they lost? Yeah, And right? I can't and think so, of what that would be. Like, <clears throat> I, I know it, it could yeah. happen. The odds are that it will happen. 
But I don't know if having watched this team for 31 games this season, I don't know what it is. Like, what did UCLA do that Arizona can't match with? It's, well, nothing, because Arizona not even, stomped them the next time. What did Colorado do? Yeah. You know, like nothing that Arizona can't actually play with. There's nothing that those teams did that Arizona couldn't handle. All of that is completely explainable. Like, all three losses are completely explainable in my mind. So that's, yeah, I, I, it's not, I mean, there's no obvious flaw in the team. And that's, you know, the ranking supports that. We're going to get a one seed, and I, that's totally justified. Um, back to the Dale and Terry thing. And actually, let's wrap it up on this because I got to jump off, guys. But this has been a, a fun hypothetical that, that I've had with um, with a good buddy of mine is um, how we know Ben Matherin's leaving. Um What's what's the likelihood that that uh, how many other guys are going to leave go for the draft? Hmm. I, I mean, the draft it's tricky because some of the guys like Tubelis, I don't think he's a first round pick in the NBA, but he could go make money playing basketball if he wanted to. You know, Coloco could sneak into the first round with a good tournament. Like I'd put the over under at two and a half players total, including Matherin, and I'd probably take the under. But of guys who are leaving early, right? Justin Kyer is yeah. going to be gone. He's a senior. He can't to the come draft. Back. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, to, like to guys who would draft. leave as underclassmen or leave before they have to. I would put the over under at two and a half and probably take the under. Like, so we're, we're we're not including transfers in this. We're just talking going to play professionally next year. Like next year, yes. who like how many of the starters are we going to lose to the NBA draft next year? I think I think Adams over under is right and the under because I think realistically. The next most likely, and the secret's kind of gotten out on it on him, and there's a chance for him to do it on a national stage. And some scouts are going to start to drool over the game film as they dive deeper into it. Is Christian Coloco, and it it kind of after that he's the only one I think is a possibility, mainly because I think an NBA team will say that guy is a versatile defender and there is value there, and somebody will give him a first round guarantee potentially. Um, I'm not sure anybody else quite is at that level. Like Dale and Terry, like Lord knows, I'm, you know, we're both the, we're the Dale and Terry hipsters, Ronnie. Um, I'm not sure he, as of today, you know, his versatility on offense is not as valuable as Christian Coloco's versatility on defense is to an NBA scout. It's kind of full stop, right? And Dale and Terry is a, still a bit of a scoring liability, and in, in the NBA. Everybody has to be able to shoot. If he shows he can consistently shoot even, you know, mid to high thirties from a three point range, then he's then then that conversation changes. I love the two and a half and I'm gonna take the over and I think that it Man. is the Terry being the third. And That's the reason a downer. for that it's a downer, but it's not because I think that Tommy Lloyd is going to do just fine on the recruiting trail in this season and take care of it. But but the reason I think it actually is Dale and Terry is because Matisse Thibault kind of paved the road for this because yes he was a four-year guy at washington but that's dale and terry and dale and terry has more upside than thigh ball and so i think that the idea of wait i want to see you shoot high-end 30s before we're going to draft you is a bit of an outdated opinion just because i think that what you're really looking for is you're taking the upside knowing he's a sophomore you're taking him at his youth and you're trusting yourself your coaching staff to get him to a point where that shot that jump shot's going to come around and, and i just think that dale and terry if we make a deep run to brett's point it's going to be because of dale and terry and he's going to average something like 13 to 14 points a game and it's going to be like 
Oh. Eight rebounds, seven assists, and like six steals. Or if he, like does, if he does that, crazy. then he has to go. But the trick with Dale yeah. and Terry, too, though, you could look at him, and he could look at it and say, or I come back as a junior, Ben's gone, who else is gone? And all of a sudden, Dale and Terry has the ball in his hands more, and instead of averaging, forget what his point total is at this season, what he's averaging, but watch those numbers go up, right? Oh, I'm like, not so, like, I think like because... Solomon Hill back in the day. Like, all of a sudden, like, as his yeah. role grew, it's like, oh, he turned himself into a first-round pick. I don't think Dale and Terry's a first-round pick after this season, barring a tournament where he basically averages a triple-double. He's not a first-round pick. But as a junior, you know, he could probably average more than 7.3 points a game next season with Ben Mather could, not on the roster. With, and then also he's ben, a first-round pick. Yeah. With, with, with Ben Mather not on the roster, Dale and Terry could become, I think I said it a long time ago, and it looks more intelligent now, is that he can become a poor man's Ben Simmons, like not necessarily a scorer, but a really valuable, uh, larger guy that can facilitate in a non-traditional I mean, way. Ben Simmons is also like 6'10". So. Well, I also well, think that's that like he, two inches taller than Dale Terry. Yeah, he's not that far. His wingspan's like seven feet, so that's probably right about there. But, but that, uh, that's my point. Like Dale yeah. Terry, could he go pro after this season? Absolutely, and someone will take a flyer on him. But if you're Dale Terry, this will be up to him his decision to make. Right, every one of these players, if they want to go pro, if they want to leave Arizona, I would support them. They've been great for the program. They've done everything that anyone could ask of them. But if you're Dale Terry, this isn't prob- This probably isn't your best year. Like, you could be a first-round pick with one more. I mean, Solomon Hill ended up being a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. You know, and he mm-hmm. stuck it out through his senior year. So if you're Dale and someone like Dale and Terry, unless you have that monster tournament run that finishes with you hoisting the trophy, you know, cutting down the nets, I think there's probably more value for him coming back for one more season as a junior with the talent that's going to be around him. And, guys, like, I know, Ronnie, you mentioned you think Tommy Lloyd can recruit, and that'll be fine. Let's take one more break, and we come back. Let's talk about apparently Tommy Lloyd can recruit stateside. Welcome back. Thanks to Ronnie Stoffel again. Always great to have him on this show. One of the original Wildcat Radio 2.0 hosts, and obviously he's excited for Arizona men's basketball like we all are, Brett. And um, yeah, Arizona, we're recording on Wednesday, and earlier this earlier today, Arizona landed another recruit. They got Kylan Boswell last week, you know, a five-star guard. Now they got K.J. Lewis, a four-star guard, one of the top players in the 2023 class. And like, if, if people were wondering still if Tommy Lloyd could recruit guys who weren't, you know, from overseas... I'm pretty sure he's quieted those concerns and dollars now. <laughs> you mean when they just pointed out the only thing that you could maybe suggest there was an absence of evidence of positivity? Think, think of like, <laughs> what's then, crazy, though. Like, Tommy, like, no one knew he, he could lead a program. No one knew if he could recruit stateside. All he's done is take his first Arizona team to a number one seed, most likely in the NCAA tournament, winning the, Pac, winning the Pac-12, and now he's landed already one of the best recruiting classes in the country. Like, nice. <laughs> not mad <Yeah>. about it. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I think of the gif of uh, Paul Rudd where he says, who thought we'd be here? Not me. <laughs> um, you know, if you look back, if you go back, what, five years ago, it's almost to the day uh, plus a couple weeks of the, the ESPN story, the DeAndre Ayton, or uh, I think it was five years ago. It's all a blur uh, with the... Four years ago. Four years ago. You know, with COVID years at all, it's it's the before it's time. like three afternoon. years, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, and KJ Lewis is a legit uh, guy, you know, out of out of El Paso, um, super athletic, uh, you know, more of like a two guard or if Kyle Boswell is more of a point guard. So you're kind of building out your roster and, and, and slotting the guys in where they're going to fit into Tommy Lloyd's system as guys kind of graduate and move along in, in coming years. Um, you know, I think 
his he's been climbing the rankings too. I'm not sure if he's a full on five star yet, but I think he's up in the top like top twenty five rankings in mm-hmm. in either two four seven or rivals. I forget which which one or or pretty similarly. I think previously he was in the sixties and has been moving up as people kind of update the rankings. And usually that's that's a pretty good sign of where where a guy's trajectory is headed. And yeah, for for uh, Tommy Lloyd uh, and anybody that wants to be concerned about uh, Arizona's future. I don't think there's a lot of reasons to be concerned at this point. <laughs> no, no, and that this is kind of we were kind of we were hoping when the season started. We're like, okay, when it comes when it comes to recruiting, it's kind of a prove it thing, right? Tommy Lloyd had to prove that he could be the head coach at Arizona and do what Arizona coaches are expected to do. And getting out of the gates like he did certainly didn't hurt, you know, because we got to see the system in action. And Lewis mentioned that just seeing what how Arizona plays, and we thought, oh yeah, if everything goes right. Who, would, who wouldn't want to be a part of this? And everything has gone right, so it kind of snowballs on it where you're looking and say, wow, okay. It's kind of like the early days of Sean Miller when they got to the Elite Eight in his second year. It's like, okay, this could keep happening because then the recruiting classes just started rolling in, the top recruits. And I imagine he's going to recruit a different style of player than Sean Miller did, but at the same time, they're still gonna rec- he's going to recruit high-level talent. And the question was, because when he missed out on Ty Ty Washington, was it before the season started? And I think there was one other guy, I forget his name, I think the guy went to Creighton, I'm blanking on his name, the forward, who I think was part Uh-oh. of this year's class, actually. Um, doesn't matter, right? But <laughs> no, but I'm saying because it doesn't matter, because like, at the time, it's like, yeah, they, they didn't know what Tommy Lloyd's Arizona team would look like. They didn't have any evidence. Like, yeah, well, he did this at Gonzaga, but he wasn't even the head coach there. He was the assistant. You know, what is he going to do at Arizona? Well, now there's proof. There's evidence. There's something they can go into the living room and say, this is how you'll fit in my system. You're going to have the Dale and Terry role. Or you'll be Kirk Reese, or you'll be Ben Matherin. Like, you can do this in my system, and here's how. Like, that matters, and we're starting to see the fruits of that. So, like, everything is coming up Tommy Lloyd right now, and for good reason. Yeah, I think the the opportunity of Arizona's situation allowed them to take a flyer on the most credible but unknown quantity out there of the guy that never been a head coach. And if they weren't in that opportunity or that that situation, I'm not sure Arizona would have accepted hiring somebody that's never been a head coach before. And to your point, especially in recruiting, you know, you have to prove that you can do it. And there is just there is indications that Tommy Lloyd could do it potentially, but we just didn't know. And now those doubts are, you know, all but removed. Or are they are they officially 100 percent gone now at this point, Adam? No, I don't know. if I mean, because. He's still won largely with Sean Miller's roster, right? The the best players on this team were largely recruited by the previous coach. So the question is, can Tommy Lloyd build the roster on his own with his own recruits? And then there's going to be transfers and stuff like that. I have every faith that he can. I, I'm not saying that I have those doubts. But if you do have a doubt, that's where it is. Can he win with his own guys? Clearly his coaching has been good. These guys have gotten better. Every player on the team has improved over the course of the season. And his system is appealing to talent, to high school talent. So that doesn't worry me. Like Tommy Lloyd, to me, has proven himself that he is. Arizona might have lucked into a home run here with Tommy yep. Lloyd. You know, you think back to all the alums that were pissed that they didn't hire like Jason Gardner or Damon Stoudemire to be the head coach. It's like, yeah, this seems to have worked out okay. And it's only not even a full season, full calendar year in. And I feel pretty good about saying that Arizona made the right hire, maybe accidentally, maybe like definitely lucky, but they made the right hire. And this is just more evidence of that. 100% agree, Adam. And also, we, we did kind of talk about a little bit with Ronnie. Arizona cleaned up pretty well in the Pac-12 awards. Of course, Tommy Lloyd, not surprisingly, is the Pac-12 coach of the year. Made all the sense in the world. 
Um, Arizona, also Ben Matherin, play, Conference Player of the Year. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. First since DeAndre yep, yep. Ayton, but yeah. Yep. The only the, the the most obvious one, even beyond Ben Matherin, was Christian Coloco, Defensive Player of the Year. And most improved player, which... Yeah. I mean, that's to his credit to Coloco. We've talked before about how his free throw shooting has gotten good. And that to me is one of the reasons I love that kid. I was so happy for him because he's worked. You can tell he's worked to become the player he is. It's not just a natural progression of going from a freshman to a junior. It's he's worked at his craft and gotten better. Pell Larson, of course, was the sixth man of the year. Um, Arizona, I mean, had a bunch of guys, all conference first team. Coloco, Matherin, Azulis Tubelis, first team. Dale and Terry was an honorable mention. I. It all makes sense. Like you can't argue with any of that. And I think it was who was it? Um, I think Lloyd had said like Larson got six man of the year, but like Balo or Kyer easily could have won that award too. And yeah, you look at their stats. There's no reason why. I mean, Larson was good, very good pickup from Tommy Lloyd. But it's just a really good team. <laughs> okay, can I can I ask a fun question? Hopefully, yes. A question, Adam. Yes. If Umar Balo had been in the Pac-12 last year. In, in the conference and therefore eligible for most improved player, would he have won that over Christian Coloco and Arizona's two centers would have won uh, defensive player of the year and most improved player of the year separately? Huh. I don't know. Like, Balo's season is also still weird because up until Tubelis got hurt in Stanford, Balo was just barely like a fringe player. And then when he got extra minutes that game, just played great. You know, in Palo Alto. All of a sudden, his season turned around. He turned into the force we've seen. And, God, he took Cal's soul in that season finale. <laughs> it was unreal, just dunk after dunk after dunk. But, no, it, it's a type of thing where, like, a team wins 28 games and the conference. Like, you expect these types of things to happen. They're supposed to win these awards because they were very good. And it's a credit to the coaching staff. It's a credit to these players who all worked really hard and fit into this. And have all bought in. This is not a selfish team. It's a team that's very happy for each other and works together to get to this goal. And obviously winning coach of the year isn't the goal for Tommy Lloyd. Winning player of the year isn't the goal for Ben Matherin. Like they all want to keep playing and win a lot more games. And like we were talking about before, like they're very capable. I think they could do it, but it's just such a, it's such a, it's been such a nice season. Like, and even most of the games like I mentioned, they haven't played a lot of close games. They've lost three games and they're mostly competitive. You know, they're frustrated. You don't like watching them lose. But most of their games, they've won and won comfortably. <laughs> like, it's largely been a stress-free season up to this point. It's It has been, you know, even in years where Arizona was still successful, like the DeAndre Ayton year for obvious reasons and less obvious reasons, was a, it, the team was trudging through that season, uh-huh. right? Um partially with the, the obviously the, the obvious distractions and the, the ESPN story, but also partially because you have this otherworldly talent in DeAndre Ayton and we somehow still struggled to get him the ball uh, in a way where he could assert his dominance. Um, and so it's it's been a long time since Arizona has been both, you know, I, I would say that Arizona's, t- this, this most of the same roster was fairly fun to watch last year, but they just weren't as good, but they were probably pretty decent. We just don't know what, what they were going to do in the postseason. Um, you know, this team is both good and really damn fun to watch. And it's, it's, it, it harkens the most analogously back to the best loot Olsen teams that were both really good, dominant, and just a, a damn pleasure to watch. It kind of reminded me of the 2016, 2017 team. That was a two seed the Larry Markin in year, just in how there was like, no one expected to be that good. And they turned out to be really good. Of course, that team fell short in the sweet 16. They had a, 
pretty good collapse against Xavier then, but that's kind of what this year reminds me of, only like on steroids, because no one expected it to be like this. Even the most optimistic people, and we were pretty optimistic. We didn't expect this. But when you look back, you're like, yeah, why, why wouldn't they win all these awards? Why didn't they? You know, everything makes sense because we saw it wasn't fluky how this team came together. It might have been, like, surprising in certain ways, but it wasn't fluky. And that's what's going to make this postseason run potentially a very long one. And, of course, we'll get into that, the more specific stuff about the NCAA tournament next week. We're not going to do, like, well, ideally recap an Arizona Pac-12 tournament win that they got out of healthy. That's the most important thing. You know, Brett earlier said that he thinks they need to beat Stanford on Thursday to clinch their number one overall, number one seed in the NCAA tournament. He might be right. I think Arizona's going to win that game because Stanford's not very good. But also, you know, if Arizona wants to win this tournament, by all means, go win it and then get ready for the NCAA tournament as a one seed. And, of course, we will preview Arizona's NCAA tournament. We'll talk about the women's, too, in their tournament. You know, all that stuff going on over the next week or so. Baseball, of course, doing their thing. They end up coming back and winning their most recent series. Softball's been hanging in there, too. And there's all this, like, we'll get to the spring sports once basketball's over. We will. Like, I promise, like we do care about them. and They're good. There's good storylines there. But when you have a number two overall team in the country getting ready for a postseason run, like, that's where the focus has to be, I think. Yeah, and 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 you mentioned them, but don't forget also there's a pretty darn good Arizona women's team that, assuming I think the most important development this week for Arizona men stay healthy and Kate Reese hopefully can get healthy. And if, if this roster uh, for the women's team has a healthy Kate Reese going into the tournament, that's that's a different um, that's a shift in momentum uh, in the, and put some wins back in their sails. Absolutely, they've dropped down the AP poll, but we know when they have their full complement of players, they're a very dangerous team. So postseason basketball, Arizona, it just it's natural. This is what should happen. So you know we're used to it, but hopefully this year ends with at least one trophy added to the case for one of the programs, at least. Hopefully, both of them do. Otherwise, appreciate you all listening. Make sure you are finding us on iTunes, on Spotify. If you find us on iTunes, leave us a review along with your rating. We'll read that review on the air. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at WildcatRadioAZ. And thanks again to Ronnie Stoffel for joining us. Um, Brett, I think that just about does it, right? We're good. I think so. Let's play some, uh, play some hoops. Let's play some hoops. And remember to bear down. Bear down.